Well, good morning. Last Sunday, we looked at Romans chapter 3, if you remember, uh, in a message called Believe or Behave. And just rehearse that real quickly. We said that your testimony is either a you story or a God story. For many people, they, they try to make their salvation experience a you story. You, you try to be righteous. You try to behave. That's the word we used last week, behave. And, and it's a you story. It's about you trying to keep the Ten Commandments and, and you trying to live a good life and you trying to keep people right, uh, treat people right. But here's the problem with that approach. We looked at this verse last week. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. That is, by trying to behave. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. And that's true, isn't it? The more you try to be good, the more you realize you're just not that good, right? And so behaving, perhaps, is not the best approach in trying to have a relationship with God and trying to to get to heaven. Uh, The other option we talked about last week is believing. Believing not in you and your righteousness, but believing in the righteousness that comes from God. Romans 3, 21 and 22 says, But now... A righteousness from God, that's a key phrase, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, apart from behaving, has been made known, and this righteousness that's from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That's what we talked about last week, but here's what I want you to understand today. Over the years... I have found an astonishing number of Christians who aren't sure if they've done that. These are good people. They're often serving faithfully in church. Uh, They're hopeful that they are saved. And many days they think they are saved. But in times of struggle, there are sometimes times of doubt. And they just can't seem to find that absolute certainty that they belong to God and that their faith is real. Perhaps you are one of those people. Perhaps you're one of those people who have struggled with uncertainty and doubt regarding your relationship with God. You can't say with certainty if your story is a you story or a God story. Well, the Apostle John wrote an entire chapter about this very issue. So I want you to go to the book called 1 John, back near the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 5. Really, the Almost the entire book deals with this issue, but there's one chapter in particular that deals with it in great length. 1 John chapter 5, we'll be looking at verse 13 to begin with. Here's what John says in verse 13. I write these things to you who... What's that word? I write these things to you who believe... In the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. John says, I write these things to you who believe so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, some people hope that they have eternal life, but John says you can know that you have it. Now, the word know is an interesting word. It means absolute assurance. According to verse 13, it's possible to be saved And to know it, it's possible to be saved and have absolute assurance. It's possible to know Jesus and have absolute assurance about that. But now listen to me, church. 
The very fact that John wrote this verse shows it's also possible to be saved and to doubt it. Isn't it interesting that all the way back into the times of the Bible, all the way back to the New Testament days, there were people who doubted their salvation. There were people, even in the days of the New Testament, there were people who struggled with the very issue of, am I really saved? Now, why do so many people lack assurance of their salvation? Uh, This is just a summary on my part, just as I've observed over the years. I I found there's usually one of four reasons, sometimes a combination, but usually one of four reasons why people doubt their salvation. One is people question if they did it right. I've heard this before. Uh, They have this ongoing fear that maybe I didn't say it right, maybe I didn't understand it all, maybe I didn't do it right. And people who, who fear that maybe they didn't do it right generally are the people who pray the sinner's prayer every night before they go to bed because they're afraid that if they, if they die in their sleep that they'll wake up in hell. And so trying to make sure they cover all the bases every night before they go to sleep, they say the, the sinner's prayer because they're just not convinced that they've ever done it right. There's a second reason that sometimes people struggle with the whole issue of salvation, and that's because sometimes people lack assurance because of sin that's in their life or sins that they've committed after salvation. You did something you didn't think you'd ever do, or you're involved in something you never thought you'd be involved in, and you are disappointed in yourself, and you know that God's disappointed in you. It doesn't help that Satan keeps whispering in your ear, how could you be a Christian and do something like that? Because of sin in our lives, we can lose the joy of our salvation, and you feel guilt and condemnation rather than God's presence. A third reason some people struggle with this is because they can't pinpoint a specific time when they've received Christ. You can't remember the moment. You can't point to a place. You can't tell me the day that it happened. And because you can't remember the moment when you first made that decision to to trust Jesus, it's become an an issue for you. It's become a a worry for you. You're troubled because you can't ever seem to have peace about that most important decision. You've just always believed, and you can't remember a time when you didn't believe. Yet you can't point to a day when it started. Number four, Some people struggle with with their salvation. They doubt their salvation because you've lost the feeling you once had. You remember how good it felt when you first were saved? For some of you, that's a long time ago. It's hard to remember that. But there was great joy when you were first saved. Uh, Everything was exciting. You loved God with all of your heart. You, You couldn't get enough of reading the Bible and going to church. And you would occasionally even tell people how good God had been. But now... Months later or years later, now it's more routine obedience, isn't it? You're still going to church, but you're mostly going through the motions. And there are times when you just don't feel saved. You don't feel what you used to feel. And so that can cause you to doubt, have I really been saved? So John writes an entire chapter to deal with those kind of issues. He writes an entire chapter, and in one way or the other, he he addresses that issue in this chapter and in this whole book. And John is basically going to tell us this today. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. You can know that you have eternal life. I think it's interesting the Apostle John understood that that people sometimes will doubt their faith. I think it's interesting that even in the days of the New Testament, they struggled with what we struggle with. 
So let's see what John says in chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1, see what he writes about this. Everyone who believes, there's that word again, we've been dealing with that since last week. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. The word believes in that context, the Greek word is pestuo, and it means to put your faith in and trust in someone. Uh, It involves the response of a person's entire being. It involves trusting God with your entire life. It it means to put your faith in and trust in someone. There's three elements involved in saving faith. Now, if you're writing this down, please write this down. Or maybe in the column of your Bible, if you've got room, please write this down because I need you to understand what believing really means. There's three elements to, to believing, three elements to saving faith. First of all, saving faith involves my mind. My mind. It, it involves believing the gospel. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. And saving faith begins there with my mind believing that's true. Saving faith begins there with my mind believing that Jesus Christ was real. He did come to this earth in the form of a man. He did die on a cross. He did raise from the dead. And with my mind, intellectually, I accept that. I believe that. But let me tell you something. If you only go that far... That's not saving faith. Because the Bible says that even the devils believe and tremble. And I'm convinced they believe more than we do in that regard. They know He is the Son of God. They know He came in flesh. They know He died on the cross. They know He rose from the dead. And so saving faith does involve believing with my mind. There is an an intellectual aspect to that. But it can't stop there if it's true saving faith. Number two. Not only does it involve my mind, saving faith also involves my emotions. Now, here's what I mean by that. I'm convicted by my sin and recognize my need of a Savior. That in the level of my emotions, I have conviction about sin in my life. I am convicted and convinced that I need a Savior. Once again, that's part of saving faith, but if your faith stops there... It's still not saving faith. It's not enough to believe with my mind, and it's not enough to have an emotional experience. True saving faith involves three aspects, and here's the third one. Saving faith also involves my will. My will. It is the deliberate and decisive act of casting yourself on the mercy of God and depending totally on Him for salvation. So, understand these three aspects. First of all, with my mind, I believe the gospel is true. Number two, with my heart, I'm convicted of the sin in my life that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. And number three, with my will, I decide to surrender myself to this God. I surrender my life to Him. I cast all of myself on His mercy, depending on Him for salvation. That's what John means when he says in verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is what, church? Is what? Is the Christ. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, whoever believes that Jesus is the Messiah, you could translate it that way. Whoever believes that Jesus is the promised one, you could translate it that way. 
Whoever be- Here's the way I like to translate it. Whoever believes that Jesus is God's Son and their Savior. Whoever believes that Jesus is God's Son and their Savior is born of God. You see, Jesus came to rescue us from our brokenness. Jesus came to rescue us from our sins. And when you truly see Jesus as the promised Savior, and you completely put your faith in Him, I want you to know something. God honors that faith. And from that moment, you become a child of God. You see, look at the text with me again. Everyone, not some, not most, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, it's all about Jesus, is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And so here's what I want. I got a key statement I want you to get, and I'm building the message around this one statement. And so if you're looking for three points, I don't have three points. I got one today. All right? Can you remember one? All right, so here's my one statement. Make sure you write this down if you're taking notes. Here it is. Believing in Jesus is not just the way to be saved. It is the way to be sure that you're saved. Believing in Jesus is not just the way to be saved. It is also the way to be sure that you're saved. Hear that again. Say it with me. Believing in Jesus is, when I say say that with me, here's what I mean by that. Say that with me. All right, so here we go. Believing in Jesus, it is a way to be sure that you're saved. All right, half of you got it. The rest of you listen. How do you, where do you get that, Pastor? Well, look in verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Does the world overcome you? The way you overcome the world is not through behaving. It's through believing. Satan attacked you that maybe you really aren't saved. How do you overcome all of those struggles, those doubts? It's not through behaving more, behaving better. It's through believing. Skip down to verse 10. Anyone, here's the word again, anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart that there is something inward in you that is speaking about this. Anyone who does not believe, God has made him out, anyone who does not believe, God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. Verse 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is where? In his son. And then to summarize it all, verse 12. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. You know what John is saying? John is saying this. Jesus is all you need. He's all you need. You don't have to work for anything. Jesus is all you need. You don't have to worry about anything. Jesus is all you need. That would have been a good place to put an amen. They did in the first service, but that's all right. I want you to read verse 13 out loud with me. Verse 13, if you, I'm reading from the NIV. 
Uh, if, if you've got the NIV, would you read this out loud with me? Verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, here's the question. What are the implications of that? If, if believing is the way that I am saved, and if, if believing is also the way that I know that I'm saved, the way that I have confidence in my salvation, if all of that is centered around believing, what are the implications of that? Well, let's go back and think about some of those questions that people have, some of the reasons that people doubt their salvation. First, the first implication is this. There's no need to pray the sinner's prayer over and over and over. You see, if you've genuinely believed and trusted Christ as Savior, you need to stop praying and asking God to give you what He's already given you. If He's already given it to you, why do you continue to ask Him for it? Look at verse 11 again, first part of verse 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. You might want to underline that. Especially if you're one of those people who you've prayed every night for God to save you. The Bible says God has given us eternal life. How would you like it if one of your children came to you every night and asked you for the same thing you've already given them? They keep asking over and over and over and over for what you've already given to them. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. So you don't need to pray over and over and over and over for God to save you if you have really sincerely asked Him to do that. Another question. Pastor, what if I can't remember the time or the day or the moment? The real issue is this. The real issue is, do you, is not do you remember the day and the moment. The real issue is, are you trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior right now? See, notice it doesn't say, look in verse 1. Look in verse 1. It does not say this. Everyone who has believed doesn't say that. It says everyone who believes, present tense. And I've studied it, it's always present tense. In this chapter, it's always present tense. Everyone who believes. Now, now sometimes people say, and I'm not trying to be critical, but sometimes people say, listen, if you can't remember the moment, the day, and the place, you're not really saved. I don't think that's biblical. I'm not saying that there's not a time when you receive Christ. Certainly there's a time when you receive Christ. Some people say, I've always believed, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. You haven't always been, you're not, you weren't born a Christian. There was a day, whether you remember the exact time or place, there was a day when you started believing. You may not ex- really remember when that was, but it's possible that it happened and you don't remember the exact day or time. I'll illustrate that because I know some of your mind already is starting to go all over the place. So let me, let me try to bring you in here. If I were to come to you with a microphone, and I were to come to you this morning and say, could you tell me, sir, ma'am, could you tell me the, the time and when you sat down on that seat? Now, for most of you, probably you wouldn't be able to tell me that. He said, well, I don't know. Francis, what time we get here? I don't know. We, we were in a little late. I, I don't. How do you know that you're sitting down? Because you're sitting down. You're sitting there. Do you remember the time you, you decided? Do you remember making the decision? Do you remember coming in? Do you remember coming in and saying, 
I have decided I shall sit today. I doubt that you did that. I couldn't jump off the stage of those servers. They're filming, so I'm going to have to stay right here. I doubt that you came in and said, I have decided at this time, mark it down, that, that I'm going to sit down. How do you know that you really did that? Because we know you made that decision because you're sitting. You may not know exactly when you started trusting Jesus. You may not be able to point to the day and the date and the time. But my question is not, do you remember the day? My question is, are you trusting Him today? Are you believing in Jesus today to be your Savior? You see, listen, I am not concerned about what happened... Hear this, I'm not concerned so much about what happened two years ago or if it happened 20 years ago because my assurance of salvation does not rest upon what I did 20 years ago. My assurance of salvation rests on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. See, I don't want this to be a you-focused decision where I remember the time and I remember the day. No, 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 no. Here's what I know. I am now today trusting Jesus, and I have been, and I will continue to trust in Him. That's saving faith. I like what one lady told me after the first service. She came out. She said, Preacher, I don't remember the day, but God does because He wrote it down. I said, He did. She said, Yeah, He wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And, and I can't tell you the day, but God remembers. I said, That's all that matters, isn't it? She said, Yes, So, if believing is a present tense experience, you see, please understand, there, you were believing in the past, but back then it was present tense experience too, right? Believing is always a present tense, not a past tense verb in the Bible. So the test is, do you believe right now? I write these things to you who believe, he says, to you who are trusting in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's quite possible that some of you have never done that. It's quite possible that some of you here today, you've been trusting in your goodness. You've been trusting in your religion. You've been trusting in your spiritual heritage. But you've never really trusted Jesus and in Him alone. You need to settle that issue this morning. And if you're still sitting there thinking, Pastor, I just don't know. I just, I'm just not sure. You need to settle that issue this morning. God does not want you to go through life as a human question mark. God wants you to be certain on this issue. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. You need to be sure about where that's going to be. If you don't have assurance that if you were to die right now that you'd go straight to heaven then let me outline for you how you can be saved. First of all, admit your sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now folks, I'm from East Tennessee, but that word all means all. It means every person here, including the one speaking. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Admit that, first of all. And then, abandon self-effort. Titus 3.5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Aren't you glad God is a merciful God? 
according to His mercy He saved us, not according to the righteous acts that we have done. It is always a God story, not a you story, whenever you experience salvation. Admit your sin, abandon self-effort, and then finally, or thirdly, acknowledge Christ's payment. But God demonstrates His love toward us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you when you were not worth dying for. When you were in His eyes who could see eternity, past, present, and future, He died for you as a sinner, not as a good person. And finally, accept Him as Savior. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It doesn't say behave. It says again, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you done that? Do you need to do that? Would you do that today? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not asking you to come and pray for the hundredth time what you've prayed in the past. I'm not trying to pressure you into making a decision that would be something that was an emotional tug rather than a heartfelt commitment. But I am asking you today, if, if you, first of all, with your mind, would, would accept and acknowledge Jesus Christ was real. He died on a cross, and He died for my sin. And then if you, with your heart, would acknowledge that you are a sinner... You have no hope of going to heaven. You have no hope of a relationship with God except for God's mercy and God's grace. Your heart, if you'd take that step and say, I, I need a Savior. Then as an act of your will, would you say, Lord Jesus, because I believe you're real and because I believe you died for me, today as an act of my will, I acknowledge my sin and I'm turning from sin and self and I'm turning to you to be my Savior. And I promise to live my life for you. That, my friend, is saving faith. And that is the kind of faith you walk in every day. Never trusting in your goodness, but always trusting in His goodness. I pray that today you decide to accept Him as Savior. Or if you're struggled with doubts, I pray that today you'd come and let's nail that down right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice today, anyone who needs you as Lord and as Savior, anyone who needs to nail that down, anyone who has that Holy Spirit conviction that they are a sinner with no hope apart from Jesus, Lord, I pray that today they might respond to your voice and to your call, and that today they might receive you as their personal Savior. And I ask that in Christ's name.